Hey, this is Jeff Lewis from Radio Andy. Live and uncensored, catch me talking with my friends about my latest obsessions, relationship issues, and bodily ailments. With that kind of drama that seems to follow me, you never know what's going to happen. You can listen to Jeff Lewis live at home or anywhere you are. Download the SiriusXM app for over 425 channels of ad-free music, sports, entertainment, and more. Subscribe now and get three months free. Offer details apply. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hello to all you podcast listeners. We're bringing you something really special. One of the great spiritual thinkers of our time, Eckhart Tolle and I, are giving you a chapter-by-chapter class on what I believe is his groundbreaking masterpiece, Eckhart's best-selling book, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. This book resonated with me in such a profound way. I truly think that it's the most important book I've ever read. It's changed the way I live my life, so much so that I always have a copy on my nightstand because I constantly give myself a refresher course. And now more than ever, we need to create what Eckhart calls a new earth inside our personal lives, in our communities, and the world. Give it a listen, and over 10 episodes, you too will be opened up and learn how to quiet your mind, get your ego in check, live a fully more present life, We're talking deep, big picture, even delving into consciousness and the reason why we're all really here. My greatest hope is that Eckhart's quiet wisdom and patient teachings will resonate with you as they have with me. Each podcast episode will start with my conversation with Eckhart about a chapter, and then Eckhart answers questions from people who are reading along in the book. So I encourage you to get your own copy of A New Earth Awakening, to your life's purpose, and join us for a thrilling, enlightening, and spiritual experience. I have never been happier in my whole life than in this class with Eckhart, sharing all of this information with all of you. So here we are, chapter eight, which is all about finding more inner space. Not even a word I was accustomed to using before reading this book, which is such a great thing to think about. Eckhart reminds us how cluttered our lives have become with things. And he's talking about more than just material things. It's the things on your to-do list, the things you're worried about, all the things that distract you from being in the present moment right now. So chapter eight is all about boosting your awareness, discovering the stillness we all have inside us. And no matter what's going on, you can always go to the still space and truly connect to the present moment. Because once you can do that, you're tapping into true consciousness. Eckhart writes at the very end of this chapter that you are never more essentially, more deeply yourself than when you are still. So we're going deep into chapter eight. 
as we head into these final chapters, it's uh, really gratifying to hear from so many of you who feel that your commitment to this work is making a difference in your lives. I know I feel that way, and I'd like to, again, thank all of the students from around the world who are watching, who are willing to awaken to the deeper meaning of your lives. One of the things uh, that Eckhart said that really struck me, you said that the opposite of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. Life has no opposite. Life has no opposite. Life has no opposite. A person uh, is here only for a few years. But you are basically life experiencing itself temporarily as this person. As this person, this personality, this yes. ego. But yeah. underlying it, you are life that is eternal. And so when you go into stillness, it's easy to sense that underneath the personality, there is an aliveness, there is a presence, there is a consciousness that is timeless. And that's the life beyond the form of life that you are. So, and that's why it has no opposite. That's right. Because it's forever. Yes. And all the opposites only exist in the world of form. In the world of form. I yeah. get that. Yeah. Let's start with an overview of what this chapter is about. What is inner space? What you just described? Uh, I don't remember when this term first came to me. It must have been during a talk. I never, I don't believe I used the term in the power of now. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that most, people, uh, most people's uh, mind is full of stuff, full of one thought after another, full of continuously arising thoughts, mm -hmm. emotions, and the external life is full of things that need doing, Mm -hmm. One thing after another, one thing after another. So uh, I observed that in many people's lives, there seems to be no space. There's only one thing after another, one thought after another, one thing to do after another, one thing to be worried about after another. Mm -hmm. So that I noticed this absence of space in human beings. And really, that inner space or spaciousness is what we could also call the stillness. But mm -hmm. uh, I use different terms because uh, any one term limits it. When we talk about stillness, yes, it is stillness, but it's much vaster than just stillness. Right. And vaster than being still. Yes. 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 So it's realizing that within you, there's not only objects in your consciousness that continuously arise in your consciousness as sense perceptions. You experience mm -hmm. things, sense mm -hmm. perceptions arise continuously and each sense perception becomes an object in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then thoughts arise continuously and every thought becomes also an object that arises in your consciousness. Now, and this is what most people's lives consist of, continuously objects arising in consciousness and I call that object consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that is what most people know, and they also know themselves as an object in their consciousness. They have an image of who they are. They have right. certain opinions mm -hmm. about who they are. And so you become an object to yourself, and that is the ego. So most, a mental object, you make yourself into a mental object, and then you have a relationship with yourself as a mental object. It's a little bit insane, right. but it's normal. <laughs> so the, the incredible realization, and this is where the spiritual dimension starts, there is no spiritual dimension in object consciousness. You can have all kinds of interesting sounding or even religious sounding doctrines. Mm -hmm. If there is no space in you, 
spaciousness where suddenly a gap arises in between thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If there's no spaciousness, then you haven't touched yet the spiritual dimension. And this book, I believe, is helping many people to find that space within. You say on page 227, object consciousness needs to be balanced by space consciousness for sanity to return to our planet and for humanity to fulfill its destiny. The arising of space consciousness is the next stage in the evolution of humanity. Space consciousness, consciousness means that in addition to being conscious of things, which always comes down to sense perceptions, thoughts and emotions, there is an understand, undercurrent of awareness. Awareness implies that you are not only conscious of things, but you're also conscious of being conscious. Yes. That's what you're talking about. Yes, and that's an amazing thing at first, if you just listen to, to being conscious, being conscious, the mind says, what does that mean? You can only, you have to experience what that is to know what it means. Mm -hmm. So to be conscious of being conscious, for example, you can do it by looking at something, just if people who haven't had a taste of this yet. Yes. Uh, for example, you look at a flower mm -hmm. and you f you, uh, you're conscious of the, the image, the, what you see, the sense perception. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, can you also be conscious of yourself as the perceiving presence, without which there would be no perception? Correct. And so, and that is the consciousness. So while you look at a flower, I'm saying flower because mm -hmm. natural things can get, in, get you in touch with that dimension more easily. Mm -hmm. While you look at a flower, can you sense yourself as the presence that is looking, that is making the perception possible? And then you have two dimensions. You are conscious of being conscious mm -hmm. and you are conscious of what you are looking at. You live in two worlds at the same time. And that brings in, that means in the background of your life, there is suddenly a vast but intensely alive peace. You're very, because being conscious of being conscious is very peaceful. That's where the true inner peace arises. So, and that if you don't have that in your life, if you're not able to find that space between the thinking and the perception, 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 if you're not, then, then you lose yourself in, in things. In things, and you in the lose world. yourself in the world, yeah. and you lose yourself in your own mind. Mm -hmm. You continuously get drawn into every thought that arises. Yeah, and so being able to be conscious of your consciousness or aware of yourself as a perceiving entity or perceiving presence is really what the true awakening is about. Yes. 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 Yes, that's the awakening to who you are beyond the external appearance. And that is what we, we're doing when we're angry and you, you see your ego flare up and all of that, is to be able to step back and perceive yourself as the consciousness observing yourself as the angry person. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a, in the background... The space in between that. That's right. And so this, the inner space you're talking about is the space between I am angry, I'm, you know, saying all of these things, and then there is, a, there is the other self that is observing that. Yes. Uh, now, if you're angry and if the, the, the presence can be there in the background, right. that, that means there's already, you're already very present because it's not easy to remain present when there's anger because anger has an enormous power. Right. So, but if you're observing it, then you can say, I'm out of control. 
You know, yes. people have done that. Yes. You can say to yourself, I'm out of control. I need to calm down. Yes. yes. But if you know that you're out of control, you're not completely out of control. That's right. That's right. And That's right. so and if so if you know that you are be, have been taken over by anger, you haven't been completely taken over because there's a knowing in the background. Yeah. And I think a lot of parents have experienced this. You know, when your kids do something and it's so upsetting to you and you know in that moment I should not try to discipline them because I'm too angry to discipline yes. them. Yes. That part of you that knows that you're too angry to discipline them is the space that you're talking yes. about. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Got that. And so and that's uh if you don't have that space then you're completely controlled and by the anger, you become right. the anger. That's right. That thing that allows you to step back is yes. what you're talking about. Yes. I got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. That part of you that says I can step back and see I'm acting a fool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you if you know that you are acting a fool, then it's not there is a sanity there that's observing yeah. the insanity. Uh-huh. And if you know that you are But sometimes people know they're acting a fool and they just keep on acting a fool. Yes, that's yeah. possible too. Yeah. For a while, it can happen that the old, certain old behavior patterns. But generally, if you still... know, you can pull yourself back. Yes, yes. Um, and that which knows is the inner space that you're talking about. Yes. Is observing presence and inner space the same thing? Yes, but observing should not be confused with judging. I got it. So there's no judgment. It's a, it's a clear. It's like a mirror. It's that's like right. a mirror showing you what's there. Mm -hmm. So there are literally two dimensions. There is the personality acting out of form yes. and perceptions and all of that. And then there is the observer of that. Yes, mm -hmm. and the, the observer is not judging what is being observed. If the observer begins is. to judge, then it's the mind that has come back in. Okay. It just is. Mm -hmm. And the observer is timeless. And whatever the observer is observing, the behavior, mm -hmm. the thinking, is conditioned by the past. Mm. So you're bringing a, the timeless dimension into this world of mm -hmm. time. Yes. Peter from Phoenix, you, you say you were addicted to smoking for 30 years but quit after reading A New Earth. This ties into your question, correct? Exactly. I applied the techniques to quitting smoking and with about five minutes work and about, you know, about three hours time, I had completely stopped. No urges, no more cravings, nothing. No willpower, anything like that. It was so easy. It was amazing. What did? What is it that you applied? Um, becoming conscious of the feelings. Uh, I had run out of the cigarettes, and I thought I had to go to the store. But when the craving came, I said, "Okay, let's be with the craving. Let's feel it. What does it actually feel like?" Usually, we just react. And I actually sat there and closed my eyes and felt it, and it started to dissolve, and it went away. And about two or three hours later, another craving came, and I did the same thing. And this time, the, the feeling went away even faster. And then finally. When it came back about a third time, when I put my mind to it, it just completely disappeared. Wow. Gone. It never came back. So were you also doing, I think Eckhart suggests in the addiction uh, section, take, taking deep breaths sometimes when you feel like you need the craving for whether it's cigarettes or food or whatever, to, to take the three deep breaths and see what happens if, it, if the feeling dissipates? Did you do that? Yes, I did. I took the breaths to basically uh, create stillness, to become calm. So I took long deep breaths and just sort of calmed down and then just started to feel the feelings and watch the, and watch the thoughts. And I've, you know, I've tried to quit you know, hundreds of times and sometimes a couple of months successfully, but there was always willpower involved and there's always a craving still there. There's always that 
you know, if I just had one, that was always still in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. That's no longer there. I can go out with my friends on a Friday night and they can all be smoking and I won't even, I only want to look at one. What in the world happened to you? <laughs> it was miraculous. Yes, that's great. Yeah. And have yeah. you been able to apply the, the teachings from the book in other areas of your life? I mean, for myself, I've just found that being able to go back to my breath in the middle of the day when things get crazier. I mean, something Eckhart said, I think, on one of the beginning classes about one complete full breath is a meditation. Mm. Well, that's where the question one comes because breath. I do have other issues. One conscious breath is a meditation. Uh, Earlier in the book, in the chapter, he talks about going below thought. Yes. And he described my situation exactly like he's, like he's here. Um, we talk about um, you know, alcohol, using food and TV to, to go below thought, sort of to numb the senses, numb your thoughts, and just sort of go into uh, trance, if you will. And I do that a lot. And I've been trying to break away from that by using the techniques. I, I have not had the same success. And you also say, don't make it a problem, but I think I made it a problem, and I want to kind of break from that. You're, you're asking a question about how to use this more yeah. forcefully or whatever to, yeah. to, for alcohol? Yeah, with alcohol especially and, and food. You know, I tend to overeat when I'm tired and, I'm, and I just want to relax. Food, alcohol, TV tend to be the, the things I use, and that, that brings you below thought when, when we're trying to be above thought. Right. And when I try and do that, I'm not as successful. I, I get very frustrated. Okay, what do you want to say, Eckhart? Well, it's uh, your wonderful success story as far as the smoking is concerned mm-hmm. and bringing, uh, experiencing how awareness can dissolve old patterns. In some cases, instantly, uh, and in other cases, it takes more time for awareness to dissolve the old pattern, and awareness has to be brought to the pattern when it arises repeatedly. And it does not mean that every time awareness meets the pattern, that uh, awareness is going to win. Um, win it may not be the right word, because awareness, of course, is not never fighting anything. Awareness mm. is just there as the, the conscious presence. But so bringing conscious presence, for example, into the urge to have a drink, not that one or two drinks are a problem, but if drinking drags you down, drags you down to a, a below thinking, mm-hmm. then, of course, uh, it is helpful to bring presence into the urge when it arises, in the same way that you did when you uh, felt the urge c- come upon you to smoke. Mm-hmm. So have you practiced that? Have you been able to feel the urge to drink and then bring awareness to that? And what happened? Yes, I have. And it's, it, it, it kind of postpones and eventually I kind of break down. Yes, I believe I mentioned in the book that uh, bring awareness to it, and it may well happen that the uh, desire, the urge, is still there after 10 minutes of awareness. Mm -hmm. I believe I mentioned that. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that uh, uh, you have lost. It means that the, the desire is very strong, and at that point, perhaps you will have a drink. Mm-hmm. And then when it happens again, you bring awareness to it again. Eventually, something will happen to the pattern. Uh, it's, uh, it's very rare to have an instant success as you did with smoking. It does happen in some cases. But mm-hmm. bring awareness to old patterns, whatever it is, addictive patterns, behavior patterns. Bring awareness, and eventually they cannot coexist for that long. 
So it's a continuing practice. But don't expect perfection. Don't expect you to be the perfect human being who never right. touches a drink again or whatever. Uh, as I said to Oprah, I enjoy a drink occasionally. And so. I said, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's saying also, and you, you, you said this in the beginning, Peter, don't judge it. And as you begin to practice, what I hear you saying yes. is this miracle that you experience with cigarettes is just that, because it rarely happens that you start this one time and it works immediately. What you're saying is the more you apply the practice of bringing consciousness to this desire or craving, to this yes. craving, that it will, it will gradually lessen. Yes. It will lessen. It will, it yes. will weaken. It yes. will weaken. Yes. Uh, you can also apply it to other things, like the uh, many people addicted to television. Like, one day without watching TV would be dreadful for them. Yeah. So <laughs> it, you could perhaps... Uh, as a practice, like a spiritual practice, you could say one day a week I'll see what happens if I don't watch television. Mm -hmm. Just one day a week I'll practice and then observe inside yourself what it feels like, what the, the need to switch on, the need to be entertained, the need to be stimulated to absorb what's on the screen. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Peter. The story that you began with, the ancient Sufi story from the Middle East about a king who's continuously torn between happiness and depression. On page 223, you write, the slightest thing would cause him great upset or provoke an intense reaction, and his happiness would quickly turn into disappointment and despair. A time came when the king finally got tired of himself and of life, began to seek a way out. He sent for a wise man who lived in his kingdom, who was reputed to be enlightened. And when the wise man came, the king said to him, I want to be like you. Can you give me something that will bring balance, serenity, and wisdom into my life? I will pay any price you ask. And what is that price the king had to pay? What is the price all of us have to pay? Well, first of all, of course, the, the price, uh, the king asked, well, how, how much does it cost? How much mm -hmm. is it going to cost? And the wise man said to him, it is so of such value that even your whole kingdom could not pay for mm -hmm. it. Now, what that means is that the primary thing in your life is nothing external. What is primary in your life is your inner state of consciousness. I got that. And compared to that, you could have the greatest riches if you are in a state of anxiety or fear, negativity, Nothing is worse than that. You know, in the Bible and in the church, they, they, I don't know if it's in the Bible, but I know in the church we sing this song called, It is well with my soul. Yes. So unless it is well with your soul, it does not matter what your outward state is, where you're living, how, big, how many square feet you have, how many cars, whatever acclaim you have received in the world, unless it is well with your soul yeah. or your inner state of yes. being, yes. your inner space, then you're not well. Yes. And so that's the, uh, 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 always to bear that in mind. Yes. What is, my, am I at one with life at this moment? Mm -hmm. What is my inner state at this moment? Mm -hmm. Your primary concern in any situation needs to be your inner state. Your secondary concern is the outer situation. Mm -hmm. Because only when you're in an inner state of rightness, of presence, mm -hmm. can you uh, adequately deal with outer situations. So what is the price? There is no price in terms of monetary value right. or anything like that. We could say that the price to pay is uh, you let go of the false self. That is the price you pay. Mm -hmm. 
the false mind-made self. The price to pay is identification with that false, the false I, the mm -hmm. false me. Mm -hmm. And so that's a relatively easy price to pay because it's wonderful to let go of that. But the wise man gives the king a ring. Yes. And inside the ring, the inscription is? This too shall pass. This too shall pass. And he says, whatever situation arises in your life, before you call it good or bad, before you react, before you judge it, touch this ring and remember the inscription that you have. And this, is, this too shall pass. If you're in a difficult stage in your life, you're going through, a, you know, trauma or divorce or whatever, to know that this too shall pass. But when I'm feeling happy uh, and feeling joyful, I don't want to think this too shall pass. Uh, that can actually also be very peaceful. If you know that it is transient, I know No, but that you're having such a good time, and then you're thinking, this too shall pass, so don't get too happy. If you don't know that this too shall pass, then what can happen? You will cling to the situation internally. I got, it. I got that. And if you cling to the situation and then it passes, as it will. As it will. Or even if it doesn't pass yet, it might last for a little while, even mm -hmm. while you are the clinging itself means already some fear is coming in. Oh, I see that. Through the holding on, you don't want this situation to leave you, or you don't want to leave the situation. Mm -hmm. The clinging means brings already up some fear and that means you can't, you can't enjoy oh, it as much, really. I just had a great epiphany, not even for myself, but for all the people that I know that are, the word, key word here is clinging. So many people do this in relationships. They're holding on to a relationship that has already shown itself to be transient. It's moving on yeah. to the next level. Yes. And what so many people do, they want to hold on and let it be as it always was. Yes. And it's in the process of passing. Yes and you should let it pass. Yes, allowing change to happen mm -hmm. and becoming comfortable with change. Mm -hmm. uh, this is part of this, this too shall pass because we live in this world where things continuously pass away. Mm -hmm. the, the Buddhists call it impermanence. It's mm -hmm. one of the deepest truths of the Buddha. And, and, and the, the problem lies when you expect it to be the same as it always was, and that's where so many people get in trouble in their relationships especially. Yes. And it's an inability to let go, mm -hmm. inability to let go of, of situations, of people, and uh, that eventually brings suffering. Yeah, a friend of mine was telling me about her husband had said to her, he wasn't sure he wanted to remain in the relationship. He wasn't sure, and there's, you know, seeking counseling about that, and he's now, you know, sleeping in a different bedroom and all that stuff, and She's trying to hold on and wants things to be the way they were and wants to have a baby and all of that. And you would say, put that ring on. Yes. <laughs> uh, so do, especially don't cling. If you don't cling, it means there's no fear in the situation. The That's fear right. comes through the clinging, through mm -hmm. not wanting the change. Mm -hmm. And so if you approach the situation without fear, then mm -hmm. one of two things can happen in a situation like this. Mm -hmm there may become a deepening in the relationship. When a relationship hits a crisis, mm -hmm. it may be time for the relationship to dissolve or it may be time for a deepening. Uh -huh. And so... How do you uh, know the difference? When there's no fear, then you will know either it will deepen or 
it will end. Wow, or it will pass on. The fear keeps you stuck where you are. In got it. Mm -hmm. I got it. Nick has a question about finding his purpose, and I know it's something that's been on the minds of quite a few of our students. Hello, Nick. Let's hear it. Uh, hey, Oprah. What's up? Hey. <laughs> Everything's um, up. <laughs> my question is basically, you have to worry about a lot of stuff in life. You have to go to work. You have to pay your bill. Your cell phone bill works in the now, but if you don't work today, it's not going to work a month from today. So how do you live in the now and still worry about your IRAs, investing in your future, uh, what you're going to do as far as, you know, money, paying your bills, doing what you have to do, you know, in this ego-centered world, especially in Los Angeles. So <laughs> what if becoming who we were, were truly meant to be really isn't financially practical is what you're asking, right? Uh, yeah. What if I wanted to go on a mountain somewhere and just become who I was? I, I, I eventually would, I guess, starve or <laughs> freeze. But, um, I mean, you know, it, how do you integrate this in your everyday life, sort of being in the now, being the essence of who you are yeah. um, without without suffering in the long run, without, you know, the squirrel would suffer, the squirrel would die if it didn't put away nuts for the future, so. Okay, good question. However, the question, uh, the first few words of your question already contained an error, and it's easy, if an error keeps into a question, then it's hard to answer it truly. The error was, you said, we have to worry about paying our bills and all kinds of things. Is that true? No, you have to pay your bills but you don't have to worry about paying your bills. And the squirrel has to put away the nuts, but the squirrel is not worried about the nuts. Only humans are worried about their nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so you can, being present with what you do does not mean that you neglect your daily affairs mm -hmm. and so on. It means you deal with them in a different and in fact more powerful and more effective way. You give up the worrying part, you still pay your bills, but you let go of the worrying about paying your bills. In that way, you learn from the squirrel how to live. Because worrying is your choice. You see that, don't you, Nick? No, you worrying is your times, choice. It, at times when I don't worry, um, I, I've had moments in my life where I didn't worry, I just kind of let the, the waves of the world roll over me, and I kind of did nothing about situations and hoped that they would work out themselves, and they didn't. I mean. It, you know, wor worrying did help me in the past to actually get things together and get my life on track. Um, I guess to be, for me in my life, to be in the essence, to be with my spiritual self, it doesn't, it's not enough. I have to really be actively worried about the actual day-to-day -day business of surviving. Well, you know, which I would, most people have to do, you know. I would still argue with that. This, it is true that you need to take action. It is not true that you need to worry in all order to be able to take action. Uh, so you can actually experiment with, in your daily life, start with little situations. Let's say there's a pile of bills that you have to pay. How, how do you approach these bills? Are you going to worry the night before or on the day? Or to, am I going to be able to pay you? You just take one bill after another, you look at it, you face it, Okay, do I have the money in my bank account or not? If you don't have the money in my bank account, I have to do something to make more money. What is the possible, what can I do now? Put that aside, look, this action I can take. Pick up the phone, make a phone call to the present, effective, powerful, but no worry. If you 
then, then you'll see all your whole life will become not only more effective and more powerful, but also much easier. It flows with greater ease. Nothing in nature is worried. All the animals do what they have to do, but they don't worry about it. They are active. Everything is active in nature. The trees are active, the grass, the flowers. Everything is active and putting out energy. It's only the hum humans that worry about it and think they need worry in order to survive in this world. You don't need worry, you need action, but yeah. not worry. That's an interesting point. That reminds me of the lily in the valley that doesn't worry about clothing itself in the Bible. It just does, it just exists. It worries not whether the, the sparrow or the crow does not worry how it's going to get its yes. next meal. Yes. It just yes. it just does. Yes. And that reminds yes. me of that yes. right there. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm thinking, I guess I'm thinking of those hippies in India that still haven't come back. <laughs> they're just... They're just broken. Nick is saying, well, that's really good for that Bible stuff and for the lilies of the valley. But listen, I'm living in LA and uh, I got to worry right, about right. things. I think you really represent a whole lot of people, particularly young people, who have said to me personally or have emailed uh, and think that um, being uh, in alignment with who you're truly meant to be and awakening to your purpose is some kind of, is, uh, represents passivity that you're just sort of sitting around, just, you know, waiting on a woo-hoo <clears throat> moment and not really doing anything. The real purpose of this entire book and the work of spirituality is to get you, to get us to align our personalities with our soul or higher consciousness so that the work that you do in the world comes from the place of the higher consciousness and you use your ego or personality to serve that. You allow your personality to serve the calling of consciousness that has put you here on the earth in the first place. And when you do that, everything has a flow to it. You're in the right job that gives you the right amount of money for you at any given time because you are in alignment. So you're not worrying about things because you're not living beyond your means. You're not stressing about things because you're not allowing your ego to determine and define who you are in the world. So you're not acting out of an external self, but acting out of the place of inner space or consciousness so everything is in alignment. And that's not passive. That's not, woo, 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 I can't pay my bills and so let me find myself later. That is aligning your personality with the higher consciousness so that your higher consciousness, you operate from a place of being and the, the inner space is directing and guiding your life and not the outer space. You get it? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, sorry if I made you mad, Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> But I do. I, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> no, I'm not mad, but I just, I, I hear this, I hear this a lot. No, this isn't about giving up your passion. It's about feeling your passion more deeply. Yes. Yes. And being in alignment with that. How do you know if you, what you want, what your passion is, isn't just ego driven? What if I just wanted to be like, I don't know, a rock star and that's just completely ego driven and that didn't help the world in any way, but if I kept on working towards it, um, it would just it would just not be serving anyone but myself. How? What if my passion is wrong? You know what? If, if it's sorry, wrong. too many questions. No, no, no it's no, fine. No, go ahead, go ahead. Eckhart, answer that. Uh, sometimes you may not know 
until you have achieved what you wanted to achieve, whether it was ego or not. When you get what you wanted to achieve, and very soon you find it does not satisfy you, then it was the ego. So you can, this is a learning process. Mm -hmm. um, nobody's saying you shouldn't try to achieve this or that. If the, the impulse is there to have this or that, do it mm -hmm. and see what happens. If it doesn't satisfy you, it's the ego. And the greatest <laughs> rock stars are those who are rock stars because they sing or they perform because they had to. And whether they were performing to, you know, grand crowds or in their garage mm -hmm. space mm -hmm. to just their family members, they sing because they have to. The greatest yes. dancers are those who dance because they have to and they become rock stars or dancing stars because that is coming from such a pure place of, of, of passion. And that's what the world feels because those are the people who last. Yes. The people who are operating from the passionate, true space. Yes. And not just doing it because they want to make the money or because of the ego self. Yes. That's what I think. Very good. But it's nice talking to you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry it took so long. Christina lives in Toronto, Canada. Christina, your question. Hello. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Akbar. Hi. Hi. Um, I uh, have been afraid to drive for about 16 years now. I was in a serious car accident, and um, it has stopped me from, from you know, being responsible in my family life. My husband has so much burden. He has to take our kids to their activities and, and, and so forth, take time off of work to take them to doctor's appointments. So my question is, uh, but just recently from reading A New Earth, I, um, I've started to drive. So yay. But uh, my question is, how do I remain in the inner uh, spaciousness that you speak about on page 238 uh, so that I can stay behind the wheel? I mean, things are going well right now, but if that uh, fear um, comes creeping back, how do I handle it? I don't know if I want you behind the wheel if I'm on the road and you try oh, to do that. Don't say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, the uh, first, the, you're now able to drive. That's wonderful. The the old fear is gone, but now a new new fear has arisen, and that fear is about whether the fear is going to come back or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so that is often the case. People develop a fear about a fear. Mm -hmm. Is it going? Am I going to be in fear again? The mind tends to do that kind of thing because it projects itself into the future and says, "Am I going to remain fearless, or is mm -hmm. the fear going to come back?" So realize that that is your mind trying to figure something out and thereby creating a new level of fear on the on top of the original fear that has already dissolved. So trust that it's not going to come back. But something you can do to help it is to actually consciously enjoy the driving and enjoy sitting in the car, mm -hmm. enjoy sitting at the traffic light, enjoy the driving itself. It, um, I enjoy driving. It's, it's a very peaceful thing to do for me. So, and be comfortable with being in the car. And uh, what I used to do often in the, don't do it so much anymore, I would get into my car and drive out to some lonely place and mm -hmm. sit in the car and meditate or ride. I liked being in the car. <laughs> mm -hmm. So use the enjoyment. The more you find the enjoyment, the less likely the fear is going to come back. So seek the enjoyment of it is to do with enjoying the present moment, the driving itself. 
the movement, and so on. And don't go into your mind, don't follow up that thought when it says, oh, is it going to last? Is this state of be being without fear going to last? To stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. and the more you're in the moment, the less likely fear is going to come back. It can't really come back when you are in the now. Mm -hmm. It's only when you leave the now, then it'll come back. Either you go into the past, and you remember something that happened in the past, you, mm -hmm. you've left the now, or you go into the future and say, am I going to have fear again at some point? <laughs> so st the more you stay in the now, the more you're keeping out fear. Fear comes through past or future. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Natalie lives in Australia. Hi, Natalie. Uh, hi, Aita. How hi. are you? Yeah, we're both well. Thank Good. you. This is so exciting for me. Um, on page 239 in your book, um, you say that some people feel more alive when they travel and visit unfamiliar places or foreign countries because those times sense perceptions, experiencing, take up more of their consciousness than thinking. Uh, since the class on the third chapter, I've been sharing an amazing holiday with my family and our friends here. Um, I've been able to enjoy my holiday so much more by practicing the teachings that I've read about in the book and the things I've learned from the class. Um, but my life back home is not like my holiday. It's really busy. I've got a job and three children and my husband has his own, his own business. And on reflection, I think I've filled up any free time I've had so that I wasn't alone with that constant noise in my head. I feel really great at the moment and I want to feel the same when I go home. So my question is, how do I transition between this wonderful holiday and go back to my normal life at home? Okay, okay. That's a good question. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, it's a good question. The, the everydayness of uh, many people's lives can really pull you into a place of unconsciousness because the repetitiveness of mm. one's life so it's up to you when you get home to invite a different state of consciousness as much as possible into your daily life, into the daily routine of your life. Invite a state of presence. When you are engaged in things that you do every day repetitively, things that usually are a means to an end, mm -hmm. driving the kids to school, going, doing the shopping, doing, uh, you can see how many things are a means to an end in one's daily existence. And that's not a very powerful way to live when almost everything you do in your daily existence is a means to some end because you want to, right. you have to do this and this, have to do this. So bring in presence where instead of treating whatever you do as a means to an end, as much as possible, make it into an end in itself. For example, when you're driving from here to there, be absolutely present every moment. Look around, be alert, as if you were seeing things for the first time. Mm -hmm. The trees, the people, the traffic. And you do that by not labeling things. Not labeling mentally mm -hmm. what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Be there as, as a conscious presence when you're doing shopping at the supermarket. Uh, more perceiving without naming is perceiving what you're without naming, 
be there with every step, look at the things around you, what do I need to get, to be conscious of every movement, of everything around you, so that it's not an everyday thing, it's that everything that you do is happening just now. It's not yeah. a repetition. That's and I promise you if, you, if you start to do this in your everyday life, what he says on page uh, 252, as much as possible in everyday life, use awareness of the inner body to start to create space. Um, when waiting, when listening to someone, when pausing to look at the sky, all on page 252, a tree, a flower, your partner, a child, feel the aliveness within at the same time. This means part of your attention or consciousness remains formless and the rest is available for the outer world of form. Whenever you inhabit your body in this way, it serves as an anchor for staying present in the now, prevents you from losing yourself in thinking, in emotions, or in external situations. When you really get that, what he's saying on page 252, Natalie, everything around you takes on a magical quality. I, I can really testify to that, that just doing yeah. routine things becomes almost like you have wow moments doing the smallest things, you know, washing I've the... I've been feeling it. Yeah. I've been feeling that at the moment because we've been seeing so many amazing things and meeting so many different people and being in places where they speak different languages. But I know at home what I do is that when I'm doing something, I'm thinking about the next thing that I'm going to be doing. About the next so thing. I, I really need to... Um, I can really take that on. Thank you What so I much. would like to say to you and everybody else, when you start to put this into practice, when you start to actually put it into practice, Everything is amazing. Yes. Everything starts to be amazing. The fact that you're breathing in and out of your lungs starts to be amazing. That's what the now does. It brings you into, to, a, to a level of consciousness and presence. So just being is amazing. And you don't have to leave home to experience that. Isn't that the, that's the, that's that's right. the key? Isn't yes, it? that's isn't the key. It? Yes. Thank you very much, Natalie. But that's the whole thing. Thank you. Yes. What Natalie was talking about yes. is the whole point of awakening to your life's purpose. But what we're going to be talking about next week, Nick, <laughs> is when you align the inner purpose and let the inner purpose determine what your outer actions are, yes. then you're not worried. That's right. You never worry. Yes. No matter how much money you're making. Yes. You're not worried because you're on purpose with your life. Yeah. You're on purpose with your life. Yeah, well, you know, I think a lot of people feel like this is all kind of, sometimes they feel like this is ooey-gooey stuff. And yes, and I'll get spiritual, but let me make some money first. <laughs> yeah. I want to yes. be spiritual and all that, yeah. but I got to make some money first. Yeah, that's yeah. actually in the, in, the gospel, in the New Testament where he says, let me first do this, they, they invite you to the kingdom of heaven. That's right. Say, well, let me first do this, another, has another excuse, let me first do this, first I have to do this, yes. and then I'll be ready. Uh -huh. Of course, it never happens. The, that's then, right. the then never comes. So uh, there is Barbara in Shanghai, China, who writes, I find it really difficult to be the observer of a challenging work environment, especially when I'm frustrated with employees and have to discipline my staff. What are some of the practical steps I can take to overcome the situation? Well, there you use whatever the practical things that are described in the book, mm -hmm. uh, conscious, uh, one or two conscious breaths as mm -hmm. often as possible, getting in touch with the feeling of the inner body, the aliveness of the inner body, while you are listening to people, especially, mm -hmm. then already different energies there. You are listening from a different state of consciousness 
when you're in touch with the inner body while you listen. Right. And a lot of things, uh, uh, a person who is uh, running an office or whatever the, our yes. questioner does, they probably have to deal with many people every day, which involves listening to people in addition to, of course, speaking to people. Mm -hmm. So be there as the, feel the aliveness within as you listen, as much as possible, take conscious breaths while you are engaged in things. That's right. Bringing, bringing spaces, little spaces, into your daily existence. Gaps. Little gaps. Mm -hmm. uh, that is more important than doing a... It's wonderful to do a meditation at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But bringing little gaps into your everyday activities mm -hmm. is even more important. I love what you talk about on page 232 and 233. You tell people to avoid watching television programs and commercials that assault you with a rapid succession of images that change every two or three seconds. <laughs> Rather than watching at random, choose the programs you want to see. Whenever you remember to do so, feel the aliveness also inside your body as you watch. Alternatively, be aware of your breathing from time to time, looking away from the screen at regular intervals so that it doesn't completely take possession of your visual sense. What are we doing to ourselves, and more importantly, to our children, through the video games, the, the television, which is, 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 is a form of like hypnosis almost yes. for people? Yes, and it, it pulls your attention out of the body. It's like a leaking, an energy leakage, mm -hmm. when, especially for young children, when mm -hmm. the, the energy gets drawn out very easily. And uh, so it's continuous uh, energy leakage, and they cannot focus on on because of the rapidly changing images on TV screen for in many programs, uh, the ability to to have a prolonged focus on something is greatly diminished. Well, I thought that that's why we have so many children with ADD because they've grown up in a world where they can only there's 30 seconds and 30 seconds yes. and 30 seconds. Yes, that means the quality of your life is also diminished because the quality of your life very much depends on the degree of your attention. Mm -hmm. At attention mm -hmm. is quality. So if you, can, if you cannot give attention to anything for very long, that diminishes the quality of your life and what you can do. So parents need to be careful with their children. I'm not saying remove all these things immediately from your children, yeah. but very gently reduce the amount of time they spend with video games and the reduce gently the amount of time you spend watching television. Because they cause you, as you say, so when watching television, the tendency is for you to fall below thought, not rise above it. Television has this in common with alcohol and certain other drugs. While it provides some relief from your mind, you again pay a high price, loss of consciousness. Yes, and here we have... Well, that's the... what it's designed to do, isn't it, for the most part? Yes, and here <laughs> we have the interesting concept of Go, arising above thinking and falling below thinking. So what we are engaged in here, now most people are at the thinking level, they are controlled by their mind, they are identified with their mind. Mm -hmm. This work that we are doing here, if you can call it work, it's not work really, no. <laughs> um, is rising above thinking. Being, mm -hmm. being present mm -hmm. means you have risen above thinking. You are fully conscious, but there's little or no thought activity. Can you tell me why you say on page 233, make sure you don't go to sleep immediately after switching off the set, or even worse, fall asleep with the set still on? 
I know, my friend Gail sometimes is watching TV, and she goes, I don't know if I was watching or my feet were watching, because she goes to sleep with the TV on. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then the, all the, the turmoil that you've just been watching, and you've just spent a, a, a significant amount of time below thought, mm -hmm. in a state of unawareness and unconsciousness, and if you go from, that will af affect the quality of your sleep, and you will notice also when you wake up in the morning, you won't be as refreshed. It's, it's vital to go into sleep from a place of consciousness rather than unconsciousness. Then the quality of your sleep will be much better and you will wake up feeling renewed. I noticed that. See, I don't watch television before going to bed. I hardly watch television at all, but I notice that if I meditate before going to sleep, I have a better sleep. Yes. And what I recommend to people is, as they lie in bed, uh, ready to go to sleep, uh, lie on your back, flat on your back, and bring attention, scan your body with your attention, mm -hmm. from your feet to your head, mm -hmm. your hands, your arms, and then feel the, in, the internal aliveness of the body as you lie there. You lie in the energy field of your body, that means there's also very little or no thinking going That's on right. because the attention moves into the body. To the body. And there, from there, you go to sleep. Hold that for five, ten minutes. It's a very pleasant way of, of, of saying goodbye to that day and of mm -hmm. going into sleep. It feels very much alive. It's, it's joyful, actually, to, to lie there in, the, in that energy field. And that energy field that you're talking about is exactly what this whole chapter is about is the energy field of inner space. Yes. Go inside the body yes. and allow yourself to be the observer of the body. Yes. And be in, then you connect with the energy. You merge the energy field. And of course, the body is mostly empty space, 99.999% empty space. Physicists tell us mm -hmm. the space between the molecules, the atoms that make up the body, the spaces in between the atoms is so vast that your body is 99.999% empty space. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot for my brain to take in right now. <laughs> but I do want to thank you for uh, joining us. Get ready for our next class, Chapter 9. We're coming to the end. Your inner purpose, your inner purpose. For all of you who've read this book, Looking for Your Inner Purpose, this is what it's all about, people. Thank you. Thank you. For bringing us into inner space. Next week is inner purpose, when it defines what you do in the world, puts you in alignment, and all things come yes. as they should. And then comes the alignment of inner purpose and outer purpose. Ah, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Hey, Super Solars. Looking for a great new read or listen? Well, that's why we're so excited about Oprah's new book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Oprah has collected all of the lessons she's learned from thought leaders like Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown and innovators like Jay-Z and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who all understand what it means to achieve the life of your dreams. The Path Made Clear is available now on Apple Books, Amazon, Audible, and at your local bookstore. It really is a game changer for anyone seeking to discover their true calling and start living it. So what are you waiting for? Get the book now and begin your journey today. Hey, this is Jeff Lewis from Radio Andy. Live and uncensored, catch me talking with my friends about my latest obsessions, relationship issues, and bodily ailments. With that kind of drama that seems to follow me, you never know what's going to happen. 
You can listen to Jeff Lewis live at home or anywhere you are. Download the SiriusXM app for over 425 channels of ad-free music, sports, entertainment, and more. Subscribe now and get three months free. Offer details apply.